Radio Lockdown is a Neptune podcast. Being an ally means being the intern. You're just there to listen and get the coffee. That's a clip from intersectional pop culture podcast Minority Corner talking about the role of allies. I think it basically summarizes what I'm about to say. Before we start this week's lighthearted news ramble, I'd just like to say that we won't be addressing the riots in America, partly because this was recorded last Sunday before we had clear reports coming through in Australia, and partly because we're a pair of white idiots and we're entirely unequipped to address the subject at the current stage. What I will say is that police profiling, conflict escalation and brutality are all issues that defy the role of police to protect and serve in Australia as well. There are a number of rallies that will be cropping up around Australia this weekend. If you're going to go, please be safe and continue to follow the coronavirus advice that we've all been following for the past few months. Wash your hands, keep your distance, wear a mask. Consider running the COVID Safe app. I know that you may still have privacy concerns, but you will be in close proximity with a lot of strangers. And if you do feel sick, most importantly, serve the cause and your fellow protesters by staying home. Once more under the pod, dear friends, once more. And then brow. Brow. Yeah. Shakespeare's better with uh, sound effects. <laughs> uh, air horn, air horn, air horn. <laughs> it is the yeast and Juliet is the sun. Uh, well, we're very funny. Rise, fair sun, and kill the envious moon. Yeah, there's, there's something there. He's already sick and pale with grief, I've heard. So, oh no, we've burnt through all our energy because we've actually seen each other. I know. We've done goofed and hung out socially before we did this. It's terrible. So we've actually seen each other for the first time since the podcast has begun. Um, and now we Justin's have... Justin's hair got so long. It did. It did. I have a long hair now. It's a life that I'm living. Uh, so now... I have no energy because <laughs> we already talked as people. Well, what's the setup going to be? Is this the beginning of the deep dive research type stuff or is there an interview? I've got another interview for us this week. But before we get to that, uh, we will do a news segment. And before we get to that, I realize that in last week's episode, I don't know if we did a theme. I don't know that we did. Or maybe I cut it because we talked for a thousand years. <laughs> we talked about a lot of stuff. Would you like to take us away with a theme song? Do, 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 do. Hmm. No, that's, that hang on. In my head? <laughs> now that is the Skype music. Air horn, air horn, air horn. <laughs> that's our theme every week. Air horn, air horn, air horn. Just you saying air horn. To the tune of the dreidel song. Air horn, air horn, air horn. It's a very specific type of air horn. <laughs> Not a great air horn. I don't know, it might be. But how many instruments are made out of clay these days? It feels like not a lot. Yeah. Is that's... it not enough? Yeah, I wonder why they stopped making porcelain air horns. It's not inventive enough. Truly, we'll never know. What about if we try everybody's jazzing it? Yes, let's. Well, 
Extremely good. Oh, that is glorious. That's uh, definitely one of my favorites. Woo! That's so good. You pointed out during that that it's a song about how everyone's jazzing it, not a jazz song. It's not really a jazz track. <laughs> it's not really a jazz track at all. It's just some some pleasant white people observing everyone jazzing it. <laughs> I would mention Motown, I think, in there in the mix. Woo, woo. It's yeah, it's it's very much a, a white person's appreciation of other people's music. <laughs> they are the cheerleaders of jazz in it. <laughs> Not since Miley Cyrus sang and the Jay Z song was on, have I heard? <laughs> <laughs> that is a good equivalent. <laughs> Okay, well, that's an amazing theme. That introduces us very neatly to the show. Um, How you been, Darcy? You know how I've been. I know exactly how you've been, but tell our listeners, it's a narrative conceit. (laughs) I I am well. A lot of the restrictions are being like lowered so they are there's a nicer vibe floating around in the ether For you real, know my, yeah. my deeply held religious beliefs about about vibes and vibage in general yeah 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 so <laughs> it's a slightly nicer vibe. that's that's very central to who you are yeah <laughs> i'm getting twitchy about going back out like people yeah, are like, yeah. hey do you want to go somewhere and i'm like oh i don't know it sounds like a trap is the thing <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this is entrapment. What happens when we go out and then we get arrested immediately? I don't know what it is. I just feel antsy about the whole concept where it's like, all right, straight back to normal. And you're like, no. It's it's a very strange thing because we know that there probably will at some point be a second wave of it because mm. of the nature of these things. But at the same time, you can't just put life on hold forever. Mm. Not to, not to go down the road of, you know, maybe the cure is worse than the disease because, no, no it's no, not. No. One of them's a disease. <laughs> you, you're wrong. Um, but, yeah, it, it does feel a bit strange. We're kind of in this middle zone, and I imagine that we'll have some, you know, much harsher news coming, but uh, it's nice. We're just in a lovely, the, the eye of the storm, I guess. <laughs> Ooh, it's so nice and calm here in the eye of the It's storm. so peaceful. You've made it so ominous. You're ruining the vibe. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm simply describing the feeling that you're talking about, which is there is an imminent danger, but everyone's talking as though it's past. Mm, yes. I don't know if we actually are in the eye of the storm. No one can really know exactly, you know, whether it's going to pick up again and if it's going to be worse than the first time round or if it's going to be, you know, better there's there's lots of arguments around predictions and modeling that i do not have any access at to. least justin and i have been able to have brunch in person it's true we did and look at how balanced and lovely it's made us <laughs> it's yeah it is nice to be able to see people again and uh i like i said i've been reacting kind of negatively to everything going sort of back to normal just my brain has been having a week where it's like i don't know this seems all a bit leery and uh then we just had a really nice brunch i'm like oh remember things are nice when you go outside the house so but it was very much the vibe was very much 
I don't know if I should be here, but now that I'm here, I'm going to be here. And we are in <laughs> for the long haul. We are bunkering down. Yeah, we had a, this is, we had a long this is a brunch. brunch. <laughs> We're having a brunch now. This is a brunch in a... I came, I came home and my housemate was like, were you at brunch that whole time? Uh, yeah. Yeah? Do you want a cinnamon scroll? It's left over. <laughs> we, we are at brunch for years now. We have always been at brunch. There was never a time where I wasn't at brunch. So We've always it was been weird. at brunch with Eurasia. It was weird that she asked me that question, quite frankly. I was yeah. perturbed by it. Wasn't she also at brunch in her own way? Aren't we all at brunch at all times? So honestly, she was the weird one. Yeah, yeah, Lindsay. <laughs> You're on notice. <laughs> Just calling her out. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is now very narrowcast. Normally we talk about a broadcast, but this is narrowcast. This is going straight to Lindsay. Oh, it's important because she doesn't listen to it. <laughs> As well she shouldn't, and oh, neither should dear. any of you. Hey, valuable listeners. Now that nobody's listening, do you want to do some news? I'd love to hear some news. Do, 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 do. That's our news theme. News, 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 news. It's news time. Justin, you can't do the theme. That's ridiculous. Oh. <laughs> news. That's, that's how you do it. That's a professional. Oh, okay. Sorry. Okay. News. No, Justin, we just went over. You can't do the news. Th- just say your jokes, funny man. <laughs> so speaking of returning to normal, I've been hanging on to this one news story all week because I've been so excited to talk about this with you. So the NRL, the National Rugby League, returned this week. I know you're a big sports fan, so I'm mm-hmm. just really keen to drop some sports on you. Huge. You'll be pleased to hear that the Eels beat the Broncos 34-6. to There's not a team called the fucking Eels. You were making this up. Parramatta Eels, yeah, bud. That's fucking wild. We are a very <laughs> pro-Eel podcast, so this is the... Uh, <laughs> this is why I thought you were making good. it up. I'm like, oh, I'm making a funny joke at Darcy's expense because she doesn't know the names of teams. Yeah, so when the Unicorns played the Phoenix... The Eels beat the Broncos 34 to 6, but the focus was not all on the field. In the stands, a crowd of two dimensional cardboard cutouts watched the action. (laughs) And at home, they even appeared to cheer on the match as Channel 9 partnered with sound effects company AFX to broadcast the match with virtual canned crowd noise. Yes, this. Okay, so. You know how I was telling you about how I'm a devoted fan of the Suwon football team now? Oh, always. But please recap for our listeners. <laughs> so uh, my friends are big fans of soccer and they were jonesing for a hit and all of the soccer leagues had shut down. But one that was still playing, South Korean League. They picked their team that was most like their beloved Adelaide Reds. And they were like, all right, Suwon, bring it home. And fucking shat the bed, something spectacular. As we were watching it, obviously empty of all fans, but the crowd noises were matching what was happening like it was a home game. Right, right. And I didn't realize until about halfway through. And I'm like, wait, are they cheering for our guys? And he's like, yeah, man, there must be something there. There must be a crowd DJ that is responding to what is happening on the field. Isn't that the best? I love that Australia's doing it as well. That's so good. 
Yeah, so there's it. an Australian company, AFX, mm-hmm. uh, that are doing much the same thing, and, and they did it for the NRL during the week. And this will be the last play of the game. Gutherson kicks it into touch, and the Eels have defeated Brisbane 34 points to six. Is there, is there like yelling at the ref? Because that was the one thing we noticed was missing. <laughs> the Suwon fans that were in the room were getting quite passionate <laughs> when we <clears throat> started losing. Or as the other team started getting all these bloody calls going their way. What was the ref thinking? <laughs> I mean, to begin with, when things were good for us, that was a good ref. And then the tides turned. But really what we wanted was like, a, ah, you bloody mongrel. To the ref because this is the thing like they were talking about how it was impacting people's play right and that's what i thought was interesting was that they chose to keep like as though it was a home team as well like you got the hometown advantage sort of thing like you got the crowd on your side still yeah i suppose that i suppose it does line up if you're making the fake crowd support you more than other crowds yeah like they'd gone to that point shit that's cool my understanding is this is crowd noise. So the speaker announcements are still being done in stadium, but this crowd noise is being added live, but only in the broadcast. So in the actual stadium, I don't believe the Ooh. crowd noise is being piped in. Season 2020 is underway. Not fun. Yeah, which is why the the ABC is able to broadcast it without the crowd noise, and then this Channel Seven will be able to broadcast it with the the crowd noise. Mm. I think I think absolutely do it for the players, but I think the other thing they should be doing is why would you stick to the actual crowds you have at the match? Why not (laughs) step it up? Right, Mm -hmm. you could have any noise that is physically possible to generate. You just want a thousand geese hissing or something. Season 2020 is underway. So I reckon I'm going to try and find some crowd noise here. Oh, do you want crowd slash mob slash riot noise? It's strangely on point in a very it's sad, dark way. Topical. Sure. Why don't, why don't we listen to that? Oh, it was actually produced for uh, Henry the Sixth, Part One. Justin, I don't think it's the right type of crowd noise. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm just going to send you this. where I think the AFL should go. You reckon? Just super weirded up. I sent you one more noise uh, that I, I'm proposing. I think the riot, like the old-timey riot has been my favourite so far, but... Apologies for the language warping. It's certainly setting a tone. Shame! <laughs> if that's not clear what that is, guys... It's called Parliament Noises. <laughs> <laughs> These are sounds of the, the British Parliament approving of the scoring of a goal. Have you ever done like a school trip or anything to Canberra? 
I've not. I mean, I've been to Canberra, but I haven't done it on a school trip. So there's this thing um, I did as part of a school trip to, to Canberra where they take you to Old Parliament House and they have you do a bit of a mock Parliament session. And the best part of it was when they explained, well, when you're not happy with what the other person is saying, what you could say is shame, shame <laughs> in a real Ocker accent. And just just till the speaker tells you to calm down. And it is very, very fun. Ten out of ten would recommend it. If you're if you're disagreeing with someone in a political context, just scream shame in their face and see what happens. The member for Warringah will retract his statement or be evicted from the chamber. Quite quite a good speaker voice. Thank you. I'm open to voice acting work. If anyone would like, feel free to cast me in your production of Henry the Sixth. I can't even remember which. It feels like that's the wobbly one. You want the fifth. The fifth is the blockbuster. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that's the one we've got our, our crowd noises from is Henry the Sixth. Henry the Fifth is a battle of Agincourt where we kick France's butt. Whoop, whoop. And then it all goes a bit downhill. <laughs> Once more onto the breach, dear friends. Once more, the member for Orenga will subside. Anyway, Justin, <laughs> what else is happening in the news? I thought we would go to an interview. <gasps> So, this is a follow-up tech segment with Angus, following up from our chat about COVID Safe, which, would you believe, was four weeks ago. Good Lord, really? Time is terrible. Time is a flat circle. <laughs> I think time should be banned as one of the restrictions. We obviously, because we released our first conversation about it at the end of the first week where it was out we didn't have all of our facts together just yet we now have every single fact that is ever going to come out about the app right now there's no more facts uh we're done and i listed all of them with angus why don't we listen to that play monkey So last time on the podcast, we went through the COVID Safe app. We left it with a bunch of questions to come back to. We rendered a small verdict and then went, these are some things that we won't have answers to right away. Time has passed <laughs> and now we might have answers to some of them. Yeah, look, um, I think definitely some of the questions were answered pretty quickly after the last chat we had. I imagine some might have actually been answered a little bit between us speaking and it being uploaded yeah such is the nature of podcasts so I've, I've written down a whole bunch of them i thought we might work through kind of like how we did the covid safe objections in the first place yep. so the first one was the question that we didn't know at the time will enough people download the app for it to work effectively so when we last spoke about the app which was at the end of its first week it had just crossed five million downloads the government had initially been targeting 10 million users 40 yep. percent of the australian population nearly a month later we're looking at between six and seven million downloads total yeah. so uh, they've they've said over six million which uh, they wouldn't say over six million if it was more than seven million so we know it's between six and seven <laughs> um, <laughs> we've got nothing more specific than that probably closer to the six million end of that spectrum it certainly hasn't hit that 10 million and surprise surprise people are now talking about hitting an upper limit regarding the number of people with smartphones in australia and indeed the number of people actually leaving their houses and having any use for an app that only tracks interactions of 15 minutes or longer yeah i mean i think that's a big part as well is that there's a good chunk of Australians who are basically not leaving their houses at the moment or when they are, it's just to go to the shops. Yeah, I suppose if that initial advice they were given was 
that 10 million downloads would be necessary for it to be between six and seven a month later is not ideal but there are a lot of people that are still working from home and you would kind of hope if it is going to be an effective app those people will download it as they then start moving out of the house yeah possibly um i also i mean i do wonder if the government had when they're talking about 10 million or 40 percent i'm wondering if they've modeled that around uh, it does seem like a bit of a sort of rough estimate but I am wondering if there's a modeling that involves, you know, the number of people who are continuing to, to work from home and not really leave the house much. Right, right. I'm wondering if it does potentially, you know, model for some of those types of uncertainties. Yeah. I too wonder if they've done any modeling. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's been interesting the way the language has changed in line with that as well. It was very, when we were talking about it, it was very much... In, in the language, it was all around, this is the thing that we need before we can loosen restrictions. Now, mm. it's very much, it's it's a tool in the arsenal. It's one of the things that we can use for contact tracing, but it is not the center of the contact tracing plan and certainly not the center of the overall COVID safe plan and, and the loosening of restrictions that it was kind of held up to be. And I I, yeah. I get that as a messaging thing. Like, if that's the one thing that you can actually get people to do that's that's an, the opt-in part of the process, I get that. But it, it feels a bit misleading at this point. Uh, it, it does. Um, I also, I mean, I think that it's, it's probably something that's not necessarily essential to have in the arsenal this time, but is something that could potentially be a really important thing for subsequent waves of infection. Yeah, that's true. I guess the concern for me is the whole point of this was as people leave the house more and are out in the world more, there is going to be a resurgence of cases and we can track those cases. Yeah. Because there hasn't been that resurgence of cases just yet, that doesn't mean that the app isn't useful or, or providing us with useful data. It's just that we, we haven't needed it, thankfully, mm. in the past little while. But anyway, this is getting to a discussion that I would like to have as we finish up, but we should move on to, I mean, the main reason you're here as the tech fellow. The, the second question I have here is, will the bugs be addressed? This is something that we were concerned about when the uh, app first came out, that there were a number of bugs, both in implementation and in design, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, some of the implementation bugs, there's not really much you can do, it, it seems, to, to address them without really addressing the design problems. Right, right. Apple and Google have some new APIs they can use that the government are looking into. But the problem with that is those APIs rely around decentralization of data. So if you want to decentralize your data, then that sort of changes more or less the entire structure of the app. So can you walk us back a step there? So when you talk about implementing an API, what does that actually mean in terms of what would that mean to a standard app developer, taking it out of the government context for a second? All right. So an API, it's sort of, to describe it simply, it, it's a software that helps applications talk to each other. So like DirectX is an API for Windows to help games use graphics drivers, I think. Right. I haven't messed around much with that side of things. Yeah. But yep. basically, an API, it's, it's an interface. It, it allows software applications to talk to each other yeah so it'll sort of set kind of ground rules it'll help you understand sort of how to do things yeah it's a bit of a difficult thing to explain i'm not great at it no 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 you're you, this is uh, this is good so one of the concerns we were talking about when we previously chatted on the podcast was 
the issues that the app was going to have in working within the infrastructure of the the Android and iPhone operating systems yeah. because there are all of these existing rules for the way that applications work on those platforms. So for example, when an iPhone goes into low power mode, that stops the app refreshing in the background regardless. So that's just across the board for all apps. Obviously, this is an app that you want to be refreshing in the background regardless of what power mode the iPhone is in because yeah. you would see it as a higher priority to have this app refreshing and potentially draining your battery faster than to pr preserve your battery state. Um, now, clearly, yeah. I iPhone in general is prioritizing the low power mode over all the apps on, on the phone. So that's something that you would have to address on the iPhone API level to look at how the, the apps are interacting, the rules that they need to interact with each other and to interact with the operating system? Broadly, yes. Um, it's not so much that it's a, an existing API that's a problem. It's that there isn't a set of rules that specifically allow something like COVID, say, to operate with Bluetooth in the background. So Apple are looking at having a system through which data can be collected with Bluetooth on in the background. But the problem with that is that the new API that they're planning to enable that, my understanding of it is that it relies on data being decentralized. So not sending to a, a central data store, but keeping it on the phone. I guess an API is somewhat comparable to like a standard, like an ISO standard. Yeah. Not quite the same, but somewhat comparable. So it sort of sets a framework for how interactions occur between software. Apple and Google are both looking at their new COVID tracing API. I think it was the um, Apple Google Exposure Notification API. That sounds familiar. It was a joint effort for using Bluetooth. And one of the concerns that I've seen around that is that as you say, it relies on a decentralized method. So the way I understand that is that the current model of contact tracing, as we were establishing in, in the previous episode, yep. if you have a positive case, the COVID Safe app uploads a list of phone numbers that have been collected on your phone in an anonymized way, but they've been collected on your phone and it sends that list to the central point. So it doesn't require the interaction of anyone else using the app. If it's going to be decentralized, the person that tests positive would upload all of their keys to the central place. And then the way it was described in The Guardian, I believe, was your phone is playing bingo. You're trying to look for a match for your phone in the central database. And it requires the other person that is a potential contact to have their application contact the central system. So it waits for the other user that may be potentially vulnerable to switch on their app and see if they get a match yeah. rather than giving the, the central system the resources to call all potential contacts mm. at the point where that information is supplied. As well as a decentralized model and potentially good for privacy, it also sounds like a complete reversal of our current process of contact tracing because it's the, the impetus is on people to, to make sure they haven't received those contacts themselves rather than relying on the central system to contact people who may have been in contact. Sorry, I'm using contact in about three or four different ways here because of the nature of the, the, you have to contact people that have been in contact with their contacts and so on. <laughs> no, I, I think that's a fairly reasonable way to describe it. Definitely before the idea was that you'd have a centralized database. Um, now, effectively, the data storage under the Google Apple API would be on phones. 
So that leads to some issues as well. It means that you don't have a central data store. And I can imagine it causing some issues if information is lost on phones or stuff like that. Do you know if updates to the app are downloaded automatically? Because I've kind of heard some mixed feedback on this. I know that the most recent version is 1.4 for iPhone. My phone is still on 1.3, but my phone is also a bit busted. So I don't know if it's... Yeah. <laughs> I'm just troubleshooting this with you in, in the minute. Uh, is my phone updating properly? Am I fine? I mean, look, it should be updating in the background is my understanding. Yeah. I'd be very surprised if it wasn't automatically updating uh, by default. I, I don't really know. Yeah. Uh, I, I have an Android, so. Oh, well. <laughs> yes. Oh, you're like that. <laughs> for, for me, I haven't been pushed to update it. Yeah. Just thinking it might be worth um, just a bit of a look on my end yeah sure ah yeah um look i don't think it is automatically updating because i've just been uh given the opportunity to update it on the store so no it's not automatically updating well there you go yeah (laughs) if the app has the capacity to say hey turn on bluetooth it's off um it should probably also have the capacity to say update the app now um I'm kind of surprised by that, but I, I guess that also makes some sense. Yeah, no, mine's definitely out of date. There we go. We can we can diagnose our own personal phone issues off air. But yeah, it's it seems like there's a there's a bit of a concern if the app is not updating and and one of the things that's going to be an important change as time goes on is the ability to make rolling changes to the app, implement new API. You know, so some pretty significant stuff. You would want that to be updating with some regularity. I think a tiny bit of phone issues here, I think. You there? Uh, I just had my connection drop out more or less totally. That's okay. Can you hear me now? Yeah, that's good. Uh, we, we could either take a break and come back to this at a later point, or we can... Um, what would work better for you? I think I'll just drop that one up to the COVID safe app. <laughs> you put the app on in your phone and immediately the the Skype call that's also running on the phone uh, dropped out. Exactly. That's uh, that's another technical issue with the app. I think it's probably just my shitty connection, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm blaming the app, man. One of the other big questions around, I guess, the technical side of things was whether the government would release the source code to developers. Yep. And this is one of the ones that did happen kind of during the week between when we recorded and when we put it out. Yeah. I believe the source code was released to developers on the 6th and we put our podcast out on the 8th. ETA is saying it was the 8th, so we would have become outdated on the day that it was released. It was released as a read-only version to GitHub. Yep. So it doesn't allow developers to actually tinker with it and, and test things out. You should still be able to clone it. I don't see why you wouldn't be able to make your own version and sandbox it, unless there's something specifically prohibiting it. But at the same time, being able to read it, you should be able to sort of understand what's going on broadly. Right. Because, I mean, definitely the um, the Git repo should be read-only so that you can't you know, update it. But, I mean, it looks like it looks like there's been 100 or so forks of it. So I... I would expect that um, the people have been able to to make their own versions of it. Yeah, right. Okay, well, I will check where I found that information. I mean, it, it is good that they've released the code in any format is the upshot. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, read-only or, or any format, the concern was that they weren't going to be releasing it at all. Hopefully that is one of the ways developers can look at bugs and also look at privacy concerns that they had around the code. Yeah, of course. 
I haven't really seen much come of that. Uh, yeah, there was one a little while ago that a software dev found a, a flaw in COVID Safe that would allow someone with a Bluetooth device to crash the app so that they wouldn't pick up handshakes. It, it was theoretically possible to effectively disable the function. That was something that was patched out, right. uh, I want to say, a couple of weeks back. The iPhone version, at least, is on version 1.4. So there have been a few changes to make corrections for security reasons and, and minor bugs. That's a bit different to the structural flaws with, with battery management and, and those sorts of bigger issues that may be resolved by developing almost from the ground up a, a new version of the app using the Google and Apple API. Yeah, I mean, I do feel like this was really a sprint. Any software devs out there enjoy the pun. Um, but, but this was really a, a very quick effort to produce something. Hopefully we don't have any sort of major second or third waves of infections, but, but if we do, having had this attempt, we could be seeing potentially a COVID safe two that works way better for those subsequent waves. One of the more political questions, I guess, I'm going to bundle a couple of questions together here. Will the government pass legislation to protect the data and will the data stored by Amazon be protected from use by US authorities? So there was a bill that passed the Senate. It was on like the 14th. Privacy Amendment, Public Health Contact Information Bill passed the Senate, which codified a lot of the rules that were made under its termination under the Biosecurity Act. So um, it's now legislated that it's unlawful and can impose penalties of up to five years effectively for using COVID data for any purpose other than contact tracing. Interestingly enough, it would also make it illegal to hand it over to overseas agencies, which I guess leads into the second one that if our legislation is saying it can't be handed over to overseas agencies and US legislation is saying that the Cloud Act means that the United States has jurisdiction over any data held by AWS in Australia, then what happens? On Wednesday the 13th of May, Foreign Affairs Minister Maurice Payne addressed the Cloud Act directly, yep. stating that under the bill that has now been passed, quote, in relation to the Cloud Act, any transfer of data to any country outside Australia will constitute a criminal offence under the provisions of the bill and attract a penalty of five years imprisonment. Yeah. So she's actually said that not only is the transfer of data outside of Australia going to attract that penalty, but that penalty specifically applies to the transfer of data under the Cloud Act. It may be legal under US law, but it is not legal under Australian law. I think the problem is that the US law, and I could be wrong here, um, certainly not an expert on either the Cloud Act or broadly US criminal law, but my understanding of that was that they can also be compelled to provide the information. So it sort of leads to this issue where they're effectively breaking the law in one of two countries, no matter what they do in that situation. Yeah, so so essentially you would have a jurisdictional issue where someone would be damned if they do, damned if they don't. I, I guess I would say that broadly, this is one of those things where diplomatic niceties would probably come into it. And I don't really imagine America would request that data. As we said last time, it's pretty useless for anything other than COVID-19 contact tracing. So we can be pretty confident the data won't be used for anything other than that, not only because it's now a part of law that it can't be, but also because 
it's not useful data for that purpose. And as it becomes decentralized under the new API, it will become even less useful. Yeah. Because you will need to have both phones uh, using the data to even have any information that is that is not encrypted. That's right. Um, I guess in the interim, uh, Christina Keneally was suggesting to Peter Dutton that um, Australia wants diplomatic assurances from the United States that COVID-safe data wouldn't be used for any sort of security or intelligence or criminal proceedings. Uh, effectively, the idea is to get Peter Dutton to request an assurance from the United States that they wouldn't apply the US Cloud Act to COVID-safe data. Right. That makes sense. And do you know if Peter Dutton has actually done that? Last thing I'd heard was that there were some ongoing negotiations between either Minister Dutton or his staff and the United States, uh, so the US State Department. Um, I don't know a huge amount about that. Will state and territory authorities be able to effectively use the data that is gathered? So far, there has been precisely one COVID case in Victoria where a close contact has been identified using the app that was not identified by other contact tracing methods. That person has been isolating since Wednesday the 20th of May. Data has been accessed in other cases in both New South Wales and Victoria. So that's where someone has tested positive to coronavirus and then they've attempted to connect with all of the close contacts of that person using both the app and standard contact tracing, asking people to recall their their movements and, and people they may have been in contact with for a substantial period of time. New South Wales authorities did initially report issues with receiving data from Android phones. I'm not sure if that continues to be an issue. I guess this brings us to the ultimate question, will this data be useful for the purpose of contact tracing? I mean, yes, it was in this instance. Yeah. Does that justify it? I guess that's a more difficult question. Really, there's a lot of questions there. Um, yes. One of them is basically, is, is it worth what? Is the question whether it's worth the financial cost of it, which I'd say probably not yet, but probably in the future, it wasn't a hugely expensive app to develop. Jeez, it's, it's that whole putting a statistical value on life. Um, right. Problem there. Was it worth the the privacy that we've given up? I would say probably yes. I would say honestly, if it's identifying any cases now, it's it's probably worth it. Yeah, let's let's break it down into multiple questions. So there's is the amount of money that's been spent on it worth it to identify this? And and to be clear, this is to identify a close contact that has not then tested positive to coronavirus. This is just a close contact that has been asked to isolate because they've had close contact with a confirmed case. So this is this yeah. is not someone that's tested positive, but it is someone that was identified as a close contact only using the app, not by other contact tracing methods. So presumably the person that, that tested positive did not recall that they had made close contact with this person, which is kind of awkward. I hope they didn't find out. That's a tough conversation to have. But yeah, you, you've got this additional connection that's been found. The financial cost of that, I mean theoretically we could be talking about saving a life right and that is yeah. while the cases are subsiding so just did a bit of a quick google um looks like the app cost 1.5 million dollars which oh chump change pretty much um actually this feels disgusting but there's the classic i think it was stanford that first did it but the classic value of a statistical life right just just thinking effectively that if, if the app saves one life i think the value of a life 
There we go. Uh, economists say a human life is worth about $10 million. So Sick. Breaking even. I guess broadly I'd say that if, if he has a 15% chance of saving one life, then according to that understanding of it, hey, yeah, it's worth it. I uh, I really like that logic. I, I love that you're doing the consequentialist maths. This is <laughs> extremely <laughs> pleasing to me. I, I find myself... Um, I can be a, a very emotional person sometimes and care about people. Yeah. And I like to back that up with the cold calculus of economic logic. <laughs> it's, it's a pleasing thing. I guess what I would, what I mean is if it's saving anyone, like obviously that's worth it financially as well. I, I think we've not really lost anything by investing in the app. The only question in terms of whether it's worth it for me is on privacy. And I guess short to medium term, I'd say it is worth it because we're giving up very little. We're really giving up the, the Bluetooth information in the long term. And a bit of battery, though. I mean, yeah, and a bit of battery. Yep. You're giving yep. up a bit of phone battery to potentially save lives. So mm, is it worth it, Angus? May yeah, that that's right. Um, so, <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, OK, cool. Could we solve that one? But long term, and I, I think this one is is important. The long term consequences of it. Does this lead to us in the future giving up more freedoms? Does it lead to us in the future giving up more privacy? And that's, I guess, an open question and a question that's there for interpretation. If this is one of those things that pushes us further in the direction of of being willing to let the state see our private information then maybe it's not worth it. We ended the last conversation with, will you download the app? We had that kind of central question at the end. What do you think the question should be this time? Will will you keep running the app? Yeah, no, I'd say it's that. Um, Would would you keep running the app? Do you think it's still necessary? Yeah. For me, uh, I'm still working in town, so I haven't really had much of a capacity to work from home. So I've been going into town on buses that are fairly full haven't really been able to conform to our social distancing guideline entirely. So I definitely am still running the app, but I can understand people who who aren't that in touch with people physically. I can understand not wanting to or not feeling the need to. I think that's a very sensible approach, right? Like I work from home. This is my job. This conversation that we are having is my job. So I don't have a great deal of use for it, but as the world opens up, like we've been talking for the last couple of weeks about loosening restrictions. And and as we head out more, I think, you know, I might even go to a cafe tomorrow. And if I do, I'll have the app on. Yep, that that seems fair. I'm exhausted. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Thank you so much uh, for for joining us once more. Sure, maybe sometime we can talk about things that aren't the uh, COVID safe app. (laughs) I would love that. Uh, I appreciate your time. Do you want to plug anything? Um... No? You're allowed to say no. That's fine. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, um, yeah, if you got robo-debt, don't opt out of the class action. There. <laughs> That's something to plug. There we go. That's a beautiful plug. I will, I will uh, put that in there. Uh, thank you so much, Angus. I appreciate your time. No worries. Thanks for having me. Great interview. It sure was. I loved the part where we added in all that crowd noise. <laughs> Just without Angus knowing. I'm so upset they're not playing it for the players. This is a stupid <laughs> use of crowd noise. Just got to give it to the fans at home. They don't need it. I need it. I need it to feel safe and warm.
They can make their own crowd noises <laughs> with their little mouths. Just shouting alone at the television. I don't exactly. know if that has the same effect. I did think that what they should do, right, is somehow hook up a bunch of Zooms or something and just get people to make the no- like the noises they do in their living rooms and then just project those for the players. And it's just like 100 people yelling at their players in a supportive way, hopefully. You know, they're going like, oh, come on, lads, get around him. It's funny that you say that because that is how they're doing the cardboard cutouts. So they're actually asking fans to take photos of themselves in their full supporter kit and then send those into the printing company, and they are printing out cutouts of real fans of the game, which I think is actually pretty so pretty cute. dang cool. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to be doing it at all of the stadiums, but it's it's a it's a cool move. The only better way would be if can't remember which league or even which country it is, but some of them have robots like animatronic things going on. You could like make their arm go up and down when you're excited. And, like, dress them up in your hat and scarf and stuff. In one of the broadcasts, they were talking about, although viewers won't be able to watch it in 3D, they'll be able to watch it in 2D as cardboard cutouts in the stadiums. And I was like, oh, (laughs) that's what they should be doing is VR. (laughs) They should be having 3D VR experiences so you can immerse yourself in what it would be like to be a member of the crowd. I mean, turning to your mates with a beer... And all your mates are two-dimensional is going to be a heck of a culture shock. But, it's a bit you know, of a trip. It's a bit of a moment. I was listening to an interview with a commentator and uh, he was so sweet because the thing he was missing was the food that you got at various stadiums. Because oh. it's like this whole immersive experience. Like you go to – he was talking about baseball in America and he was talking about, you know, you go here – and you get like a chili dog or like the food experience is tied up with the spectatorship. You sit in the particular stand, the whole going to a sport experience. And part of what he was missing was really the food, like the lovely trash, garbage, junk food you can eat at them. <laughs> I thought that was so sweet. Like he just really wants to like get someone to deliver it to him in his home while he's wearing all of his supportive gear and stuff. Which highlights that we are already piloting just robots that can be trained. <laughs> you get these these associations with the trash that suddenly, oh, no, you've got emotions tied to it. Your wiring's Aww. fucked. Trash robot, no, we love you. You bring us our trash. I know why the robots rebel, and it's me. I've done this. I'm so sorry, everyone. I'm really disappointed that you were the one programming all the robots. (laughs) Apparently, I got a lot more intelligent, but used it for evil. I always assumed that if... So quickly. (laughs) If one of us got more intelligent, we would start using it for evil. It was only a matter of time. (laughs) That's not to say that the app is evil. Did you guys make a decision on that? Yes, again, I haven't heard the um, interview this time. Sorry, lads. What? I'm shocked. (laughs) I know. Basically, we decided, we settled on the same conclusions that we had last time. The main thing is because of when the app was released, it's right before the loosening of restrictions. And so it kind of feels like a a non-essential thing but as the restrictions loosen up it will become more and more useful like it's, mm. it's kind of a weird timing thing where because everyone's still a bit timid about going out you might not be using the app or you might be very confident that you're going to know exactly who you're hanging out with when you do leave the house but as people leave the house more for things like going into public settings rather than for hanging out at other people's houses and things like that it, it may become something that's more useful and then you really hope that they've solved the 
you know, battery drain and all of those kind of technical issues because they still haven't figured those out. Well, good chat, Angus. Very, very well pointed out. Yeah, yeah. Angus said all of that better than I did and uh, is very smart and cool. And I'm glad he keeps coming on this podcast and giving us licensed shitpost around it. Because it's the, <laughs> it's the beautiful, the freedom he affords us by being a smarty pants. The symbiosis that we have created. Yes, yes. Uh, and if we ever want to switch that roles. That would imply that we are we are doing a good function for him. And I'm not sure that's We're providing, true. this is... We're contributing to society, Darcy. All right. All right, buddy. Or at least as best as we can. (laughs) Oh, that's that's grim. grim. If there were better ways of contributing to society, you would hope that we would be doing them. But there aren't, which is why we're doing this. So, buddy, can you think of an industry that's going to be crushing it because of COVID? So as things open up again, we're definitely seeing like a longing for for certain parts of service culture and for like returning to the world. But there are some limitations on it. I think I talked about drive-ins in an earlier week. And I Mm. definitely think that that presents a really good compromise in terms of like going out and still being in your bubble. And isn't it wild? Because about 10 years ago, I swear, all the drive-ins were just like, no, we got to shut up shop. No one wants this anymore. But we could experience a real revival. I mean, they've done some pretty cool things with it more recently as people seek out a more boutique experience but there could be a firm solid not going to go away for a long time revival of the drive-in just because of covid you can take your safe bubble with you you know (laughs) that is an attitude people already have to their cars Mm. i'm gonna say this as a bigoted non-carsman i drove this punk home because he walked somewhere like a nerd (laughs) what a fool i know but yeah saving the environment punks like me with no respect for your bubbles and your cars i called you a punk and a nerd in like the same breath <laughs> there's no consistency to this i'm a punk nerd no i think you're enjoying that too much it's meant to be an insult anyway i <laughs> uh, no, i'm enjoying it i turned it around and made it a fun thing that i enjoy he's reclaimed it oh no yes i need to find new tools of oppression so you're going to work on finding new tools of oppression i'm going to champion the drive-in and and also so I guess there's there's kind of as we move towards things that are safe like I think that overall nostalgic products are going to be on the rise. This is very true even the what I've noticed so I like a lot of recipe sites. It's like stuff your grandma would cook. Dumpling recipes from grandma's scone recipes, shepherd's pie, cheesy potato stuff like a lot. I know we've, we've gone extensively over the food thing. But things that hark back to, you know, stuff you might have had in your childhood on a food basis is definitely seeing a, an uptick in, in advertising, to me at least. <laughs> maybe, I've, <laughs> maybe I've generated that myself by going, gosh, I just want all the warm food in my belly. But I think there is that. Yeah, yeah. As a society, we're not adverse to nostalgia at the bloody moment either, are we? If I see another bloody 90s kids post, I'm like, yeah, I know, time, it's weird, eh? <laughs> Only 90s kids will understand crushing disappointment. What do you think <laughs> is going to experience a resurgence, Darcy? Or, uh, a resurgence or a, a shot to the arm? Or, or just a surge. Mm. doesn't have to be something that ever succeeded. I don't, I don't have one this week. I mainly just have longings. <laughs> you know what I thought of this afternoon where I'm like, I'm not going to see that for such a long time. A mosh pit. Right. This is kind we're of... We're not going to see... We're going to see the opposite of a resurgence. That's 
not an experience we're going to have for years. And when we do, it's going to seem almost illicit, you know? Yeah. Oh, so, so you're saying a rise of secret mosh pits. No, absolutely not. No one do that. That's a terrible idea. Darcy founded this. She no, incepted this not. idea in the minds of the Australian population. When we see this news story come up in, I want to say, August. <laughs> we can call it back. We will blame Darcy. I feel like the creator of like Dynamite, you know, Alfred Nobel. It's like, whoops, I done did it now. Better go create some prizes so my legacy is not blowing everything up. Yeah. Oh, shit. Um, no, I don't I don't really have a, an idea for something that will have a, a resurgence or a, a come to the Okay, I'll, I'll just go again. Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Huge Bitcoin bubble. <laughs> oh, People dear. love a bubble right now. And Bitcoin, boy, that was a bubble. This is one of my favorite early jokes where someone was talking about how their next door neighbor was entertaining their kids with bubbles and they saw them and thought, oh, what beautiful air sacs filled with poison that they are spreading on my yard. (laughs) It goes via droplets. What are they thinking? And I was like, oh, shit, bubbles. (laughs) They're bad now. So maybe each week now I'm going to talk about an industry that's going to thrive and you can talk about something that will suffer and die. (laughs) Just, Just end. A lovely optimistic end to our show, Darcy. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No more fun, guys. We talked for like six hours today. I'm sorry, bubbles are going away, everyone. We talked for six hours and now there are no more bubbles. (laughs) I refuse to effervesce, but it's only doom and gloom. And this allows me to throw very neatly to an ad pivot, because if you want to learn how to make a foam machine in your backyard which blows lots of bubbles without putting them to anyone's mouth. The first edition of Neptune Today is now available for download for free online on our Patreon. I'm very excited that we now have a digital edition up ostensibly for the purpose of learning how to pitch to us for the second edition, Neptune number two. Although, also, if you just like it, have a read. It's nice. It's it's a good fun thing that I've made with a bunch of people, some of whom have been on this show. So what you're saying is <laughs> that I get it for free now, and that thing that I've been avoiding doing just by procrastinating has actually been solved, probably by my procrastination. This is this is not this is not a lesson. This is not a teachable moment. <laughs> this is another one of my favorite tweets. <laughs> Someone talking about procrastination, and they're like, "Hey, man." 50% of the time, just waiting it out does actually resolve the issue. <laughs> That's not the lesson. No, I don't need that in my brain. The issue was indeed that I have too much income. <laughs> oh, I'm dear. just too successful and rich. Any closing thoughts, Justin? What a day we've had. What a day. Uh, shout out to uh, Brunch. I really do think that brunch will see a resurgence. Oh, man. It's, it's, I've earmarked two places that I think we should go already. There are those crazy little places that have opened during this. They're like, oh, oh, can't put our head over the parapet right yet. Oh, now we can. Now we can. Go, 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 go. There's a bagel place in Prospect. There's some guy that just started serving coffee from his garage, and now he's like... Got, oh, I saw got that. A, yes, that one. He's just got a mate to make pastries, and he's just flinging out really good coffee. He's like, hey, I'm just in my parents' backyard. Yo, you want to come visit? And people are. It's genius. I'm so impressed by anyone that is brave enough to try and profit off of a pandemic. Uh, so check us out on Patreon. 
this is painful. <laughs> Justin, Justin needs to eat, so you know, like I, d- I do. It's he's true. he's he's withering away. I lied. He didn't come to brunch. He he can't <laughs> go anywhere. He's so skinny I... now. Strong breezes take him away. Yeah, but buff. <laughs> but I've been working out constantly. How did you get the money for protein? <laughs> well, Justin, a delight as always. But sure, <laughs> I'm going to go eat dinner because it's quite late. Please do. I am also going to do that. Thank you so much for joining me once again on the podcast that we do together. This is very strange. <laughs> Goodbye, Darcy. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye, listeners. You've been listening to Radio Lockdown, a Neptune podcast. Here we go! Go! Got a game for football! 